0: Welcome to the Entrepreneur Escape Pod. I'm your host, Melissa Rittenhouse. Entrepreneur Escape Pod is for anyone interested in learning about the multitude of ways to create a career for yourself outside of a traditional nine to five as well as anyone who is inspired to learn from others and take action towards their goals. In each episode, I interview a wide variety of people from entrepreneurs to artists to digital nomads so we can learn from them and expand our perspective on work in the digital age. I'll also share with you my thoughts on any newsworthy topics related to remote work, tech, digital entrepreneurship, and more. If you're ready to feel inspired, let's dive into Entrepreneur's Escape Pod. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Entrepreneur Escape Pod. I'm your host, Melissa. In today's episode, we talk to Genevieve Parker Hill. She's an author and a writing coach. And this episode, we get all into what it takes to write a book, self-publishing. And we talk about Genevieve's career as a writer and how she got started uh, writing her first book. And then we get into how she helps other people, especially podcasters, uh, come up with their own book and how she helps them outline, self-publish, and helps them gives basically helps give them all the advice that they need to uh, self-publish, professional-looking, successful book. So if you're someone who's interested in maybe writing a book someday, regardless of whether or not you're a podcaster, this episode is definitely for you. Um, Hi, everyone. I'm here with Genevieve Parker-Hill. She's an author and a writing coach and the creator of Podcast A Book. So hi, Genevieve. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi Melissa, great to be here. Awesome. So, um, just to start, just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what your entrepreneurial journey has been like. Did you start as a writer, or um, tell us a little bit about your story? Yes, I started as a
1: writer. I majored in creative writing in college in uh, at a small college in North Carolina called Meredith College, and did a bunch of writing. I moved out to Hollywood to pursue screenwriting, and uh, I ended up working in a a school for writers, for screenwriters and producers, a, a small school uh, training program, and I loved it. And I started mentoring writers there, and I loved that. So I've got kind of two main passions: the creative um, writing side, you know, just let me write whatever I feel like writing, and then the side where I really love helping people get their creative work out into the world. And helping them through that transition from maybe I want to write a book, or I know that I feel called to write a book, or like, that's one of my big goals to, I wrote a book and now it's published. So that was like the, that was like a very quick version. (laughs) Um, Maybe a couple more details are that I specifically started um, working. So I started working with like mentoring and coaching writers back in 2010. And for the last couple of years, I've focused in on um, helping podcasters get a book published quickly. So you can call that editing, you can call it ghostwriting, you can call it coaching—like being a book doula, helping people realize their book may already be written. Um, and 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 all and the whole time too, I've been writing. I think I published my first book in 2013.
0: Nice. Um, Yeah, I definitely want to get into how you mentor podcasters specifically, but I guess too, what sparked your interest in writing? You said you studied creative writing in college. Were you always just like a storyteller and writing? What was like a turning point that made you want to do it professionally? I think the turning point was, I. well, I think I always loved
1: reading and I didn't necessarily think of myself as a, like, I didn't really dream of being a writer when I was a kid I just loved reading and didn't know what I wanted to do. And when I was in college, I was freaking out. Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm I don't know what I should major in. Should I be an English major? I don't know. I, I do want to be an English major, but I don't necessarily want to write analyses of all the books, which is like mainly what English majors do. They analyze the stories and books. And I want to just create my own, like stories, but it inspires me to create my own. It doesn't really inspire me to analyze um literature. So I actually designed my own major and then as far as turning it into, um, the turning point for turning it into a career, um, or into a thing that I wanted to do, um, what was the turning point there? I met a, <laughs> I, I met, um, a poet in college. Uh, one of my teachers, one of my professors was, a she was a published poet and, um, it and she was incredibly inspirational and she was a great poet and she was a great teacher and she was very encouraging and I had this amazing poetry class and since then I've taken a lot of writing classes I mean in college I took a lot of writing classes but I think it wasn't really the writing I think that class in particular was a turning point because she was um she was just such a good teacher who really made me enjoy like writing poetry so much And it's funny, I haven't published any poetry um, since college.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's good that you have that like inspiration and um, kind of that drive to create. That's so cool that you created your own major too, by the way. How did you manage to do that? Did you just go to the administration and kind of pitch them on it? Or what was that like? (laughs) Well, they had, one of
1: the reasons I went to that college, one of the reasons I attended that college was because they had a design your own major program. And I thought, I might want to use that. That sounds like something I would do, and it turns out I did. And yes, I had to design it and um, then defend it. And fortunately, and I, I was not ready to defend the major, but fortunately, had some, a uh, couple of mentors, uh, professors who were mentors who helped me defend it, and, um, and, they passed. They let me do it.
0: Nice. I, I can see how that's like a good practice for like pitching yourself in a way because you kind of have to defend the project that you're trying to pitch. So kind of yes. in a way, I could see how that's like uh, just that um, aspect in general is, is good practice for someone who's creative. It was such good practice. And I didn't look at it like that at all. And I
1: should have. So it was a teaching moment of like, oh, I, when I'm going to do weird things in the future, because I was homeschooled. So I was always doing weird self-designed things. and I realized, oh, when I do weird self-designed things in the future, I'm going to have to explain it and defend it. And it taught me a lot about
0: that. Nice. Oh, that's really cool that um, you're homeschooled too. I feel like, um, yeah, more and more, I'm just like, I think about homeschool. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. It's like, (laughs) um, because I don't know, like you, you were just saying, it's like very unique and like you can kind of I don't know. I think it's allows you to have some more like creative freedom than maybe like a traditional public school education would. Definitely.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: Yeah. Nice. And then um, tell us a little bit about your experience of writing your first book. What what was that like? And what did you learn from that experience that like stands out to you the most from specifically that first one? Because you coach people through that process. But at one point, I'm sure like you were the one going through the process of, I think I have a book in me and Than actually getting to the finished product?
1: Yes. Oh, that's such a good question. Because it was very surprising for me how I wrote my first book. It was almost by accident. And when I say almost by accident, I mean that it wasn't for me. And I think that's a really good way to approach it now in hindsight, because I wrote it quickly, I wrote it for someone else, I wrote it out of love for my grandmother. And who has passed away now. And so she, so she had a problem, which was that she couldn't get rid of stuff. She was, she just, her house was full. She always kept it really well, like cleaned and organized, but it was just packed full of her, her things, her memories, her photos. And she knew that she needed to like declutter and, and she just couldn't. And we had such a close relationship and, um, just a special bond. And so I was like, "I'll, oh, I'll, I can help you with that. I'll give you some advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and cause I also have that problem. It's also really hard for me to let go of stuff. I'm a natural collector. So I wrote this book that I eventually titled minimalist living. My, the first title was, I think I called it, um, decluttering for grandparents or minimalism for grandparents can't even remember because it's been retitled for a long time because I discovered that most readers, most people don't think of themselves as grandparents. It's not yeah. their like primary identity, even if they are grandparents. So I retitled it for, and I rewrote it for a general audience shortly after writing the first version. But the first version was something like minimalism for grandparents. Because, you know, when you're, when you have grandkids, there's just this, it's so easy to collect stuff. And, um, you know, the years go by and you just, your home becomes more and more full of things. So that was how I wrote my first book. It was very, I remember the process being easy, being like um, almost something that I did like without, it was almost in the periphery, periphery of my vision or the margins of my time where I wasn't like, oh, this is my big moment. I'm writing my first book. It was just like, oh, I'm just, I'm just writing this little thing that turned into a book, and I don't know what I'll do with it. Nice. Sent, my, sent it to my Grammy. <laughs> it didn't help her.
0: I don't think she even read it, but it oh, a really? lot of <laughs> I was like, oh, I, because th- I, when you were describing it, I was thinking like, oh, you're writing it like kind of as an instruction manual for her or something for her to read. And then it, you realize there's a broader audience, but it was, I guess, kind of maybe the opposite. But... Um, Yeah, I know. The minimalist thing is interesting because, like, I was watching a little bit of that show, like, tidying up with Marie Kondo because, like—and I realized, too, like, I don't really think I—I'm, like, a collector, but she was saying how there's, like, different phases and, like, papers. Like, people have a hard time cleaning out their office and throwing away papers, and I'm like, oh, that's me. (laughs) Even though I don't really have, like, a problem with, like, things, I'm like, that's, like, the only one—the only thing. (laughs) But Well, you're not alone. A (laughs) lot of people have problems with papers because you never know what
1: when you might need it. And it's so small. It's just a paper.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. Right. Um, And now since then you've t- published a total of six books. So was writing the first one, was there like a similar process for each one or was there something that you've let knew that you've learned with each one book that you've written?
1: Well, after the first one, I, uh, I learned that I would say the process was similar because um i learned about outlining which is really important for most writers and the importance of writing a book for um i would say to help someone or to like with an audience in mind or with with even one specific i think writing with one specific person in mind um is really really helpful and that is because it's very tricky when we when we have a lot to write about like if someone wants to write their life story for example there's just too much like we all live thousands and thousands of books worth of experiences in our lifetime even if you're you know even if you're still like a teenager or you're you've just already lived so many books worth and there's so much you could say um and and also learn about because Part of writing a book is researching and that's mm-hmm. part of the fun is learning about what you're writing about. And so I think part of my process of narrowing down what I want to say is thinking about one person or a group of people. And if it's nonfiction, it's usually solving a problem for them.
0: Yeah, nice. And then um would, what would you say for like fiction? Is it mostly just like trying to find the audience that you think would enjoy that type of fiction? For fiction, it's, it's, and I've mostly written,
1: well, actually I've written, um, I've written mostly nonfiction. I have, I do have this fiction. I have a novel Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I'm working on. So with fiction, yeah, it's, it's not about helping people. It's about um, telling a story that you or so yeah I think that one can be more about like what you like as a writer like it's telling a story that you really wish was out there um or that's really interesting and exciting to you and I think it's also important in fiction to tell a story that is sort of in a genre because this is a mistake I made with so I published uh one of my I published my book my my novel and The reviews were, um, the bad reviews that it got, the critical reviews were like, this is a mess of a genre. Like it's all over the place. And it's, that is like a, that is a common mistake um, that I made and that lots of writers make of thinking, oh, I'm going to combine my favorite genres. And this is going to be something that no one has ever seen before. So really, really, really good writers can do that and like make it unique and special and probably win awards. But most of us <laughs> who are not like genius, talented, like Mozart level in the writing world need to choose a genre and like um, tell a story within the the norms of that genre. So the advice I'd give to fiction writers is like pick your favorite genre and figure out what are the tropes that need to happen in that genre. Like I love romance. So if it's a romance novel, generally has to be like a happy ending. There has to be... um it depends on the subgenre of romance, but the past, that be all these things that happen, and so don't stray too far away from that. But yeah, fiction is more about um, putting having your characters go through really bad, bad, horrible things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. To, that's good to keep in mind and and to know because. Um, Yeah, with the genres because I always think like the hardest thing would be all the characters, especially now that we have like all these character-rich stories. I'm like, oh, managing the lives of like ten characters (laughs) seems (laughs) seems seems like a challenge. But um, I mean, when it comes, a lot of times it's like those are some of the most fun (laughs) things to read because there's so because there are so many characters. But um, yes, um, and what would you say are the benefits to self-publishing a book as well? Because I think a lot of the people that you help coach publish um oftentimes on Amazon. So, uh what would you say are some of the benefits to self-publishing? Yes, I love this question. I love self-publishing,
1: but I do and I self-publish my books and I do have this conversation with all of my clients about making that choice because I want them to have all the information about the current state of the publishing industry and should you self-publish? Or should you pursue traditional publishing? And the benefits of self-publishing are mostly about speed. You can get a book out really, really fast with self-publishing compared to traditional publishing. So if in traditional publishing, if you... Um, and there are benefits to being traditionally published, but everything just takes a lot longer. And in entrepreneur worlds you know, things move fast. We want to test things out. We want to get it out there. We want to have it done. And so I think the biggest benefit is speed. It's going to take you, if you if you pursue traditional publishing, you first have to find a literary agent, which can take anywhere from one month at the super fastest to like a years. People are still looking for agents like years down the, down the road. And then the agent has to pitch your book to publishers and that can take months or years. And so it's just this huge, like, and then once you get the deal, they're, the publishing house is going to go through their, their system, which is going to take another year probably. So we're, we're talking about, you have a finished book as an author. You're like, okay, my baby's out. My baby's ready to go out into the world. And then three years, maybe three years or more from that process. Whereas if you have a finished book ready to go out into the world, you can be sending people the Amazon link in two days with self-publishing through Amazon, which is my preferred platform. Um, and is, they've just done so much for indie authors that I think they're really the way to go. Amazon.
0: Nice. Do you think maybe self-publishing too could be sort of a stepping stone to people who want to be published in a more traditional way? Cause I, I, mean, I'm just kind of like thinking off the top of my head, but I'm like, if you have a book that you write and it's doing well, maybe that would make it easier to be like, okay, now I could go to an agent and say like, Hey, I already wrote something and people really like it or And I I don't know if you would republish the same book or just like pitch them your next book or how, how, what the better strategy is. But I feel like the other benefit could be like, they could see that you are capable of like generating sales and things like that. Absolutely. And that's such a great question because
1: it's right, because it's changing so much right now. It's like right on the cusp. Like a few years ago, I would have said, like a few years ago, I was at a writer's conference uh, full of writers trying to get published and, and published writers. And I asked that question, there were some publishers, there was like a panel. And I said, Hey, do you think it would benefit me to have, to self-publish? Would that be a benefit? Would that, would publishers look at that and be more likely to publish me? And they said, no, no, I don't want to see that. And now I think the answer is yes. Now the answer is like all, for all those reasons you said, like, I can see how it's selling. I can see what the response is right away. And that's another huge benefit of self-publishing is you get, you get people reviewing right away um, and you can see, you can, you can get feedback right away. You can also get that during the traditional publishing process, but you're going to get a lot less of it and get a lot less feedback. You're going to have really good editors, but you're not going to get that um, just instant feedback from, from your readership, which is really valuable.
0: Yeah, totally. And do you is there a way too for people who self publish to f- reach out to an editor who maybe works freelance and just um, have you know because I'm sure they still want feedback on their book before it oh, kind of yeah. goes out, you know? Oh, absolutely. There, well, that's what I do. Yeah. So
1: there's there's this new thing that we can't really agree on in in book coach world. And see, tell me what you think of this term hybrid publishing. I don't know how I feel about it. What do you think about that? Like how does that make you feel? What do you think that is? If you don't know what it is. I want I want to hear um, your guess.
0: I mean hybrid publishing to me it's it seems like maybe like a co-author in a way, but I I I don't know. That that's kind of, I guess how I that's how I would think about it. Maybe a co-author or like Maybe, a co I, I don't know, now I just think coach a little bit, but I feel like maybe my like opinion's a little biased, but like, uh, <laughs> but I mean, um, or at least like someone, more like someone helping you through the publishing process, uh, but are, I could be a co-author as well, but I wouldn't necessarily think like ghostwriter, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I kind of get the same sense too from that term in the sense that it's like a co-author or someone's taking some of the ownership Hmm. Um, but hybrid publishing can be that so um there's also this thing called a vanity press where you pay to have someone publish your book and they're usually predatory so you're like paying to have someone pu- take some of the rights away so with self-publishing you always keep your publishing rights you own the rights and you're finding a distributor who will who will um take a portion of the profits, but you're not paying, excuse me, you're not paying for that. So hybrid to me, it, I would be cons- like, I think some hybrid publishers, um, are people like, I might be called a hybrid publisher because I help you look professional and polished. Like your book is going to be, um, beautiful. Like here's a book. I don't know if you can see this, like, here's a book from one of my clients and this looks gorgeous and professional. And I'm going to make sure her cover's amazing, that her formatting is amazing, that it's edited really well, and it's going to go through multiple rounds of editing. So um, to give you the definition and to give listeners the definition of hybrid publishing, the most positive definition is it is self-publishing, but it is hybrid traditional publishing in the sense that you have a team of people helping you. And so that's what I do as a book coach with podcast to book is I help, I help people, I become their team and people on my team come in and we help make your book amazing so that it's, you really can't tell the difference between a self-published book and a book published by say Random House. And so that, I think that's the long answer to your question is you can definitely um, self-publish with help from people who can give you great advice, um, about how to make your book stand out. And a lot of people don't do that. And so their book ends up looking unprofessional. Um, and, and I really want to help people stand out and get their book, um, looking as good as it can and reading as good as it can so that it can be an Amazon bestseller.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's that's definitely good to know because I feel like that's probably one thing that makes people want to publish with the publishing house over self-publishing is they're worried about it like not having that team and they feel like maybe they don't know what to do and they don't want the, to risk the book looking unprofessional and all of that. So that's like mm-hmm. a really good thing to know. And like I think that's such a that definitely feel feels like a a need because I'm sure people more people like would want to self-publish even just for like, I mean, I would think too, just the money you'd make would probably be more than if you go with a publishing it house. But um, it would be right, yeah, it would be right. I know, and if if I mean, if you were to ask me, like, what would be the benefit of the publisher, aside from like those things where it's like it will look professional and be edited, the only other thing I could think is like maybe they would help get you press. But I mean, I think soon it's like I mean, it's not impossible to get that on your own. You know,
1: <laughs> no, right? it's not. Yeah, and they do sometimes. They do help you get press, and sometimes they don't. And sometimes they don't even help you get Amazon reviews. Like, that's a basic thing that I help all of my clients get. Like, here's how to get Amazon reviews. And I recently, someone in my network was published by um, one of the big, big publishers, um, a subsidiary of Random House. And her book got released and it was crickets. There was nothing, they didn't do anything for her. And I know they're taking a huge chunk of her. well, she's not getting any royalties because that's how an adv- a published, that's how yeah. the industry works. You get an advance on royalties and you don't earn any more until you earn out that advance. And the vast majority of authors don't earn out their advances. So, so you're not gonna, I mean, maybe she got, let's say a $10,000 advance, but she probably won't see anything else. And because her book went on Amazon to crickets, to no reviews, there was literally no reviews on the, within the three days of launching to Amazon. <laughs> she's not gonna, she's not gonna sell because Amazon is the largest bookseller. So that's just an example. That's a cautionary tale for listeners who might be considering going with a traditional publisher. On the other hand, they can totally help and be, you know, it can, you can have an amazing team of seasoned professionals helping you look good and get you press. But generally only if you're a celebrity or you have a huge social media following. And if you have those things you might as well self-publish because you are going to make more money. But I do think they can help you get even more reach if you're trying to reach even more people. So if you already have a huge following, I would say 200,000 or more followers or email people on your email list, it might be worth trying to get a publishing deal to go even bigger. So there's a level where it's still, I think it's still worth it.
0: Okay, nice. Yeah, that that definitely makes sense because I feel like most of the big authors I could think of, it's like they probably have a following that's like, you know, across, like across multiple platforms, at least like a million followers or something. Yeah. But yeah. cool. Um, And then I did want to ask you too about the checklist. You created the 10 things to know before writing your book. Um, I don't want to give away the whole checklist, but just like, what's <laughs> maybe like one thing on there that at the moment stands out to you the most, would you say that people should know? Yes. Yes. Okay. So this is my checklist that you can download for free on my website,
1: which is GenevieveParkerHill.com. And I think the biggest thing that one of the most, I don't know, they're all good. All 10 are really good. But something that stands out is that, and this is really important to me, you don't have to have a background or an education in writing to write a really good book. Nice. I think people need to hear that.
0: Yeah. I'm curious, Melissa, have you ever considered writing a book? Um, I've thought about it, but I don't know. I feel like it's kind of one of those things where it's like you, you think about it, but then like the reality of it kind of feels like overwhelming. But I mean, I've thought about it um, before for sure. So
1: it can totally feel overwhelming. And that's why I love doing what I do because it's pretty simple. And I think knowing that publishing is such a smooth process and so quick now with all the exciting changes we've had in the publishing industry, it can really make it less, less overwhelming, but I, I totally get it. But I think, yeah, I bet you have, I bet you have some cool stories and some inspiring things to tell people after all your interviews and all that you've learned.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely think there are some maybe like big idea things where I'm like, Oh, this maybe one day I could write a book on this. But, um, I mean, big ideas just in like the idea could go in so many different directions, but like, uh, well, okay, actually kind of this kind of goes into with uh, one thing you mentioned with your process with working with podcasters is I think one of the things that makes me think like, okay, it's probably like more work than just like, there's a lot that goes into the idea and to from the idea to execution. Cause like, I've never really written anything more than like, a blog post which i mean i've written like papers in school but i mean just like more creatively it's like most things i write are like maybe like one or two pages instead of think like mm-hmm. oh wow i have to like fill a whole book but mm-hmm. one thing you say i've noticed like with the podcasters you work with a lot of it is just kind of helping them with things they've maybe said out loud or like um you talked about how a lot of writers use sort of like dictation and just kind of like let their thoughts and then turn that into a book. So can you kind of go into that a little bit and how how that works and how yes. you, what that process is like? Yeah. Yes, I can barely contain myself
1: because <laughs> this is this is to me the most exciting, easy way to write a book. And it's not easy, but no one could, no one could say it's like easy because it's still writing a book. But to me, it's the most simple way to write a book, which is that many writers use dictation just like you said. So, and readers love a book that has a conversational tone. And in fact, if you're writing a nonfiction book, I don't, this probably does work for fiction. I haven't tested it on fiction, but I'm talking about, for right now, I'm talking about this method for nonfiction books. Like if you're a coach and you're writing a book um, or you have advice to give and you're writing a book. And so this method I'm using is, I take solo episodes. So where the podcaster is just talking into the microphone and recording themselves. And generally one of those can be one chapter. And so maybe you need 10 chapters in a book. So if you have 10 solo episodes, that's a book right there. So um, like, for example, I'm using this as my my example book. Um, this is Ruth Poundwhite's book, my client. She has a podcast Mm-hmm. and I'm a big fan of her podcast. It's called Quietly Ambitious, and it's also the title of her book. And I said, you, you've already written your book. And this was on her three years, someday maybe. I, I I, want to write a book. I will write a book within three years. And that year I said, "You, you already have written your book because all you have to do is transcribe and edit and put it together in an order that makes sense. And that's something that I helped with because I could listen to the podcast and help her form the order, the outline, which is what we talked about earlier in this podcast, in our episode today here, the outline's really important. Um, and the journey the reader takes through it. And then we just put it together and edited it. And it's a beautiful book. And the thing about writing, the thing about writing this way, using dictation, is it comes out um, at a level that is really clear. Um, you've probably seen the research about emails, like people are more likely to respond to emails that are written at a certain grade level. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, big, beautiful, helpful, world changing ideas can be communicated in fairly simple conversational language, like you're talking to a friend or you're talking to a client or you're talking to your coach. And that is in my opinion, and in many readers' opinion, the best way to present your ideas and communicate in a book. It doesn't have to be flowery. It doesn't have to be written at a PhD level. And you could, I'm sure that many people who want to write a book could write at that level, but writing at the level where it's more of a conversation is actually the most helpful to our ideal reader in many cases.
0: Nice. Yeah, I love that because it definitely makes the process feel a lot less overwhelming when you think like, oh, okay, I basically can just go through my favorite podcast episodes, get my my chapters. Um, would you say that works as well with like an interview style podcast? How would you do it differently with someone who, like someone like, well, my podcast is, I do some solo episodes, but it's mostly interviews. Um, would you recommend transcribing the interview or maybe like me just giving a summary and like going from there? How would that work? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's been done before and it's been done successfully and there's a
1: couple different ways it could work. I'm thinking of Tim Ferriss's book, Tool of Titans. Have you heard of I've heard Tim of it. Ferriss?
0: Yeah. I've read uh, The 4-Hour Workweek, but I, yes. I've heard of that book, but I haven't read it. But, yeah. yeah. It's something he
1: wrote after The 4-Hour Workweek and I read it. And immediately uh, I was like, oh, this is a podcast to book book. (laughs) He just took his podcast because he has a podcast and interviews people. And he called, he just, each chapter was an interview. And so the way he did it, I think he describes in the book was that he got permission from each guest, said, I want to write a book. I want to give you a chapter. It's going to be based on this episode. And he, is there anything you want to change? Do I have your consent? And permission, I think they signed, signed, um, you know, the legalities of it. And most of them were probably happy to be in the book because it's great publicity for them, and they get, you know, their expertise shared on his platform. And he did something funny, fun too. I think he went through and said, "What's your spirit?" An-? He asked them to all contribute a little something, like extra, like what, what's your spirit animal, and what would you put on a podcast? What, um, not a podcast, if you could pick something to put on a billboard at the largest mall in America, what would it say? So he got a little extra for each chapter, but I thought that was a really cool way to do hit to make his book.
0: Yeah, totally. I love that. I think that's such a cool idea. And, um, also too, do you think this would work with someone who's like a YouTuber or maybe like a TikTok or Instagram <laughs> influencer? Like, uh, yeah, I think with YouTube, I, it could totally. for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I mean,
1: if, Totally YouTube, if you already have pre-existing audio, whether there's video along with it or not. I mean, I know some YouTubers are like, they write out everything they say. You know, they they make these incredible hour-long essay video, video essays. So they've basically already written a third of their book, just one of those. And I think other content creators would have to do a little more work of sitting down and going, what am I saying? you know, how can I translate this idea that I want to teach or that I want to share about or this experience that I had that I'm expressing on TikTok Mm -hmm. now in like in a book form. But I think it's very possible.
0: Yeah, I I could see that. I think maybe it would work maybe better the opposite way because sometimes I think about it with content where it's like you kind of take like a bigger idea and then you break it down into like smaller chunks. So I feel like if you were doing Mm -hmm. TikTok, it's Probably maybe work like better reverse, but I don't know. It could maybe work. Yeah. You take the smaller idea, build it into a bigger idea. I guess that could work too. That's but. a good idea. Yeah. Once you write
1: your book and I know, yeah, some of my authors do this. They take little snippets from their book and they'll make an Instagram quote or, you know, everything's video now, I guess like a, a video about it. I haven't figured out how to how to make, how to turn um like a book into a good video, but I know there's people out there doing it. Yeah. I mean, how, like a
0: little snippet, like book talk. That's a thing now. Instagram. That could work. I feel like with like videos too, especially if they're a short one. I mean, you could always say a little thing, but it's always like, especially TikTok, it's so like get to the point and stuff. So I feel like Mm -hmm. you just have to have like literally one idea and then it's like get to the point. And then like, if you could even break the idea even smaller and it's like three T- takeaways in this one chapter and then like get to the point. Or I don't know. That's like, this is good. That's very like TikTok style. Take notes, people. Take notes, TikTokers. <laughs> Melissa's giving you some good points. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. It's kind of funny when you think about it. Like I said, it's like content's always like, even because I've thought about this with blog posts too, where it's like, you could write one blog post and it's like maybe two pages put that on your blog. And then you could take like a paragraph, put that on your LinkedIn, take a sentence that's like a tweet. And then mm-hmm. it's like, you could always just break things down to be smaller and smaller. So it's like, um, that's always like, I don't know, a little trick. <laughs> it's like, you could just write one thing and then like break it into smaller chunks. And then it's like 10 pieces of content. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's then, a great idea. Same thing with kind of video. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's good in theory. I feel like I've not really executed as well as I should. But you could always like film one longer video and like even now with like YouTube Shorts, like break those in chunks and, <laughs> and stuff. But yeah, everything is getting shorter, isn't it? Shorter yeah, and more visual. Yeah, I think it for sure. I think the short the short is good to like draw people in because I feel like. It, and that's what I feel like TikTok and Instagram are best for is like to just capture new new audience. I mean, I've heard YouTube's actually the best for that, actually, because of, of the search aspect. Um, so if you're like, if you have a YouTube title, like how to write a book, it's like people will, will be searching for that. So you have that advantage. And then like people, even if you did a video of that like five years ago, if people still search for it, it could come up. So I've heard mm-hmm. YouTube's actually the best for, get, for getting a new audience, but TikTok and Instagram, I think are good for that as well. Then like the longer form stuff is more, I guess, to like maintain the audience in a way. So,
1: yes, yeah. And I would add Amazon, which is one of the largest search engines in the world. I'm not sure how it ranks, but it's a huge search engine. And I would say um, like having a book on Amazon is a huge way. I mean, that's one of the main benefits, I think of publishing a book if you have, if you're trying to grow an audience and a business and a platform is just, it's like, it's not only something that people just can look for and find, you know, cause they're looking for, I don't know, like say they're looking for how to start a business that, you know, so I can escape my nine to five and they see that book, you know, they're, they find it. Um, they never, they've never heard of you before and they go to your website and suddenly they're, they're a fan or they're a client. Um, And it can be, can be five years old. I mean, I still have people finding my book that was published in 2013 and it's, oh my gosh, I don't don't even want to do the math on that. Is it almost 10 years?
0: No. Oh Oh yeah, I know. God, that's like crazy to think about.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so it's, and then two, they're paying for it. Usually you you can list it for, there's ways to list it for free, but then it's, it's still, it's passive income. It's, you know, it's the just ongoing evergreen passive income. And Amazon does a lot of the, like like YouTube, they offer it to people.
0: You yeah, know, they have their algorithms, recommend things and stuff. Yes, they recommend things. nice. And then, um one other thing too, I wanted to touch on, um kind of in addition to podcasters, um you also work with people who do have like nine to five jobs as well because um so what are some of the way unconventional ways that people f- to can grow an audience with a book at, even in the, their nine to five job? Well,
1: yeah, whether or not they, whatever their job is, um, <laughs> you've probably figured out that I'm a big fan of writing and publishing a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I hear people's stories um, and I just want them to put it all together in a book and, and write it. And so it's very, it's still, even though Amazon has had their self-publishing and print-on-demand platform available, I would say it's still very unconventional to use it. And they're adding things all the time. I mean, we're in this just very exciting time where technology is allowing people to get a product out there so fast. I mean, there's, we can talk about all the ways you can grow an audience and make money online. And... There's always going to be pros and cons to all of them, but getting an information product on Amazon is, um, no matter what field you're in. Getting a book that's that that suits or fits um, or that's just appeals to the kind of people that you're trying to appeal to, is only going to be helpful, um, and. I think as far as unconventional, they're just, they're just always adding things. They've just, they've just added, um, print on demand hardcover, which we haven't had, which Amazon has not offered. And I haven't even tried it myself, but, um, I really want to, like, I just, I have a friend who runs this nonprofit program that helps refugees and she does it really unconventionally. She has a restaurant and she has rotating chefs from the um, immigrant and refugee community cooking foods from their um, from their country of origin, and I was like, "You've got to get a book out. You, we can do hardcover, full color now. We can do a glossy, beautiful recipe book that can look amazing on someone's um, coffee table. Like we can do that now. We can get that out for purchase now, with all proceeds to to go to your nonprofit." Like, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just there just it's like an exciting world. Like, let's get published. Let's get out there.
0: Yeah, totally. I feel like um, yeah, like I always say too, I feel like a lot of the barriers to entry are kind of coming down for people. And that's like one of the great things about technology in a way is it allows for for more opportunity and for people to put themselves out there more.
1: Yes. And it can be overwhelming and yeah, that's why you want to work with someone like me who can, who's done it before and who can say, this is, these are some of the amazing creative things you can do. And what ideas do you have? Cause I bet there's a way to make it happen.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, well on that note, um, I guess I'll just leave it to you to see, see, um, just to ask if you have any final thoughts or anything to share with the audience or any last bits of advice for aspiring writers. I'm just really interested in what
1: uh, helps those barriers, those feelings, like you said, of feeling feeling overwhelmed and like it's a, a, um, it's just an overwhelming thing. I'm interested in people, in helping people like break it down into tiny steps, into tiny baby steps. And so, yeah, I think I just wanna hear from people. Just please, if you hear this episode, feel free to reach out. Um, you can reach out. I'm on Instagram at Genevieve writes, or you can go to my website, podcasttobook.com or Genevieve and reach out to me. There's different ways, email, whatever, whatever you want to reach out. And tell me like what your biggest obstacle or challenge is when it comes to if you want to write a book. If you don't want to write a rep, if you don't want to write a book, that's fine. But if you want to write a book, I'm curious to know like what people's biggest obstacle is. And how we can um, get you writing that book, get you published. Awesome. I think I just want to hear from people.
0: Cool. Well, I'll definitely, uh, I'll have all the links uh, to reach out to you in the podcast description as well. But thanks so much for joining me today. It was awesome to talk to you. Thank you for having me, Melissa. Awesome to talk to you too. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Entrepreneur Escape Pod. You can follow me on Instagram at Melissa underscore Rittenhouse and at TikTok on at Melissa underscore Rittenhouse and follow the podcast on Instagram at Entrepreneur Escape Pod. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Entrepreneur Escape Pod. Don't forget to check in with us next week for an all new episode. For more information on our guest, please go to the podcast description of this episode. Also, don't forget to check out clips and updates on our next guest on our Instagram at Entrepreneur Escape Pod. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at Melissa underscore Rittenhouse and check out my website at melissarittenhouse.co. Thanks and see you next week.